we've been talking about mental wholeness. And this is a, a huge thing that we, I, I'm not going to, I'm just scratching the surface. I spent some time last year on this. I'm just scratching the surface on it in, in this series and not, not diving into quite as much of the neuro, neurological uh, science, but I, I need to, but we just don't have the time. And uh, Lord willing, sometime in the days ahead, we will um, maybe be able to do a, a whole class uh, just on, on the uh, uh, mind and how God used, how it works and, and how God created us and the power uh, of the Holy Spirit and, and uh, combined with our mind, our brain and all that kind of stuff because that's where the warfare is. That's where we win or lose is in the mind. Amen. I want us to read our, uh, our verse, Romans 12 and 2. Say this with me. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now say this with me. This is our declaration. I yield my mind to Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. My mind is being transformed, renewed, healed, and made whole. I receive the mind of Christ as the authority in my life. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have, and I can do what the Word says I can do. Amen. The mind, what a, what a uh, dangerous place. You know, Damon uh, Salisbury said one time, he said, he said, I don't ever want to get inside of pastor's mind because it's a dangerous place. <laughs> and uh, it is. There's a lot of things going on. And I, I keep a lot, of, a lot of stuff happening in my mind. And uh, there's a constant conversation that takes place in my mind uh, between me and the Holy Spirit, between me and, and, and my mind and, and my surroundings and, and trying to, and, uh, to be able to interpret what's going on. We're going to be talking about that in the days ahead. We're going to be talking about the voice. All of us have the voice of our mind powerful thing. Our, the voice of our mind will determine the direction of our life. And it's very important to get the right voice in your head. You know, the people say, you hearing voices? Of course you are. All of us do. You hear the voices of people that have influenced you. You hear the voices of, of your surroundings. You hear the voice of your own mind, your own heart. And there is a voice, there's a conversation that takes place inside of us all the time and if that conversation is negative and toxic, then our life will be negative and toxic. But if that voice, that conversation, is turned to where it is, it is in a positive way and it is founded in wisdom and understanding, then our life will be full of wisdom and understanding and we'll be successful in our relationships, successful in our jobs, successful in life in general. Because when, when our mind is settled... When our mind is, is working properly, uh, we make right choices. And there's, I can get into so much. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep from going down rabbit trails here because there's are, there are so much that needs to be talked about uh, in this. But I want us to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 1. Let's just go back where all this, all this started. All this mayhem, madness, and, and uh, craziness started. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made, them, they made themselves coverings. And they heard the voice, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want us to look at, at some things that happened here. Now, whenever it says that, that the serpent was talking to Eve, and she, she declared what God had said, but then doubt was sown into her mind. Now, we don't have a timeline here. And when we read this, a lot of times we uh, normally, we would just think that this all happened in one day. This all happened right there and right, right then. I don't believe that. It says, it says that after this conversation, that Eve saw that the tree was pleasant. Now, when the serpent was talking to Eve, she didn't say, this tree she said, no, we can't eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. We're not allowed to eat it or touch it or we'll die. I don't believe that they were with the tree at that time. But then she began to think about that. When, when doubt is sown into your heart, if you don't correct that doubt and challenge that doubt with truth, it will begin to manufacture in your life an ability to follow after what is wrong. When doubt comes into our life about a truth, we have to confront that doubt immediately because, listen, your, your thoughts are powerful. When, when you think, your thoughts literally become physical. Your thoughts create matter. And I know a lot of you think, oh, that's science fiction. It's actually not. Your thoughts combined with proteins in your brain to form neurons. And it becomes, that thought actually becomes matter. It actually grows and becomes physical in your mind. If you allow that thing to grow, if you allow that to continue, and you allow that train of thinking to continue, you will begin to fantasize, you'll begin to justify, and ultimately you will partake of that which has uh, the doubt created uh, against the truth. You will, uh, you will go away from the truth because you have allowed that thing to begin to grow a whole nother, a whole nother section in your brain, a whole nother neurological pattern in your brain, and now you have a place for that to dwell. 
The only way to stop that is to confront it with truth and keep it from growing. You have to cause truth to grow instead of the doubt. Now, Eve said she saw that the tree was pleasant. So that means she had to go to where the tree was and stand there and look at it. And she saw that the tree was pleasant to the eye. And she saw that, hey, this tree has nutrition. It's good. You know, why would it be restricted from us? And then the thoughts of what the serpent said, you'll not surely die. But God knows that in the day you eat of it, you will become as God. In other words, you are not complete in the state you're in. But if you eat of this tree, you will be improved, you'll be better, and you'll be like, like God. And from that time forward, dissatisfaction entered into humanity, and we've been trying to find that perfection ever since, and it's not there. You know, I... I when in counseling, a lot of times I talk with, with, with women, with uh, the ladies, and there's this nagging feeling in most women's heart that there's something wrong. There's something wrong with me. And that is something that you have to confront. In order to become settled, you have to confront that issue. There's something wrong with me. It goes all the way back to Eve when the serpent put into her mind that you're not complete, you're not good enough in the state you're in. God is restraining you from becoming the best that you can be. He don't want you to be uh, as beautiful as he is. He doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. He doesn't want you to have the gifts that he has. That's what began to come into the mind of, of Eve, and she began to desire to be improved. And even to this day, there's this nagging feeling, and, and a lot of, the, lot of the, the ladies, now ladies, listen to me, I'm not picking on you, I'm trying to help you. There's a nagging feeling in the heart of most women that there's just something missing. There's just something missing. In relationship, a lot of times women have a hard time in relationship because they're always reaching for this for this this ultimate relationship and it's it should be better now why doesn't my husband act like that guy well you ought to live with that guy he probably acts just like your husband <laughs> why why can't i have this why can't i have that what you know what's i'm not pretty enough i'm not i'm not tall enough i'm too short i'm my, my nose is too long my ears are too big my hair should be a different color and you go see doug and he takes care of that and he does a beautiful job. He creates this masterpiece with your hair, but then it's, it's just not quite there yet. It doesn't make me feel as good as I want to feel about myself. And I'm just going to tell you right now that God has that feeling for you and he will bring fulfillment and completeness into your life to where you can finally, once and for all, be happy with who you are. Amen. Now men have the, have the other part of this story where they stand back and watch Eve. Come on, guys. And we, we kind of, we kind of, we don't step forward. Now, God gave Adam authority 
in the garden. He gave both of them authority, but Adam was first created. He was, he was made the ruler over the garden. God told him to subdue, go and subdue. And instead of subduing here, it says that Adam ended up going with Eve to the tree. They both began to investigate, and Eve ended up picking the fruit and they ate it. She took a bite out of it. She gave it to her husband with her, or Adam with her, and he ate it. You know, it's the song most, most men sing, where she leads me, I will follow. What she feeds me, I will swallow. <laughs> and so Adam and Eve allowed this voice, allowed this thinking to invade their perfect brains. Adam and Eve's brains were perfect. They had, they had 100% capacity. Matter of fact, Adam was able to name everything. He had a God ability. He was in the image of God, the likeness and image of God, and so was Eve. They were both partners. you got to understand, before the fall, they were equal partners, both of them with gifts, both of them with talents, but they were equal partners created in the image of God. It was after the fall that all of this mayhem, madness, and, 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 and things began to take place. The battles, the struggles, the power struggles, the, the, the gender wars, and all this kind of stuff, that's when it started, is when we fell from the place that God had created us to live in. Now, what we have to understand as children of God, as born-again, blood-washed, redeemed, spirit-filled children of God, is that Jesus, the last Adam, came to restore what was lost. And we go to a certain point, we thank God that he saved us, he redeemed us, but we don't understand that we have been restored. Everybody say with me, restored. Restored to what? Restored to original fellowship with God. Adam and Eve were in the likeness of God. They lost that. When they sinned, they lost that. They lost that connection. It says that they, when, when God came walking in a garden, that great relationship that they had used to, when God would come walking in the garden, they would run to him. They would fellowship with him. It was a joyous thing. It's like when your grandkids come to your house. They, they come running and they jump and they're all excited and, and, and the first thing they want is, is you to feed them or something. You know, they just, they just storm in there, and they grab, start grabbing stuff. They, they're, they're there. You know, they're free. They're, they're happy. The other night, they, I wasn't home yet, but uh, our grandkids got there, and the first thing they did was run to get some cereal. <laughs> I don't know why that's a big deal. And Nana was uh, fixing supper, and she said, no, 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 you got to wait. And, and eat supper. And Arya grabbed cereal out of a box, a bag of cereal out of a box. And being the husband that I am, I didn't put any closer thing on it. I just folded the top down. 
Good enough. Well, Arya grabbed hold of that, only she grabbed hold of it by the bottom. And here she come running down the hallway, and she strung cereal from one end, I mean, just, just strung cereal through the house, running with that bag of cereal, you know? And, but they're so excited. And that's the way, that's the way that, that uh, Adam and Eve was in the garden before they got the ability to understand evil. See, so he said, you'll be as God, you'll be able to know good and evil. I got to tell you something, Adam and Eve already knew good. They knew everything good that there was. They saw good in each other. They saw good in God. They saw good in the garden. Everything about their life was good. They were not robots. They were not under the control of God. They were in a state of relationship that had no content contention. And so they, were, they had no contention with each other until their eyes were open to evil. And when their eyes were open to evil, immediately there was division and they ran from the presence of God. Now they couldn't face God because it says, the Bible says, because they knew that they were naked. Now the first place where it says that they knew they were naked, the Hebrew word just simply means naked. That's real deep, isn't it? It means that they had no clothes on. And, but then in the, the latter part of that where it says that uh, they talked to, uh, they knew that they were naked and sold big leaves together. And when they talked to God, it says, it says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now, that, there's, a, there's a different meaning there. It doesn't just mean that, that we, didn't, we were uncovered. The, the word that was used in the first part was, um, if I can pronounce this, Aram. Aram. And it literally means to be bare or smooth. But then it also has another meaning. And it means, and it was from the root word. Let me get this right, okay? I got a lot of thoughts going on in my head. It was from the root word, aram. He, it, the word was aram, but it was from the root word, aram which means to be bare or smooth, but also is used in the context of to be cunning, crafty counsel, to deal subtly. Now, you understand it's a whole different meaning here. It doesn't just mean that we were bare or that we were naked. It means that they realize that now they had intents that were evil. You understand? You see where we're, we're going here? It wasn't just the fact that they were physically naked. It's the fact that they realized that they were uncovered and God could see the evil intent and consciousness in them. Whole different thing. And so they ran from the presence of God, not because they were physic just physically uncovered, but because they were mentally uncovered before God, and now they, their thinking was impure. And they knew God could tell and see and know. And so their 
thinking was impure, and Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. Another way we could put this was, I was afraid because I had cunning intent. I have crafty counsel, and I, have, I deal subtly now. And I know you know that. And I hid from you because I didn't want you to know the changes that had taken place in me and the thoughts that I were having. And so I ran and hid from you because my mind is no longer pure. Now I've been invaded with, with perverted impulses and antagonistic passions that are now motivating me that is against you, against your counsel, and against what you want and I can't stand in your presence because I know that. And we see the mayhem that pursued after that. Shame, fear, murder, separation, pecking order, classification. All of that came out of the fact that now evil has invaded the thinking processes of humanity, which was not there before. And so we battle that and we deal with that, and that is some of our greatest struggles and battles to this day. I got to tell you that, that our actions come from our mind. Our body simply relays what our mind thinks. And so the brain and the mind is the battleground that, and this is the battle that we have to win. I'm not going to preach on it today, but in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, the 10th chapter, Sister Betty shared some of this the other day, 10th chapter and verse 3, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now notice that Paul began to talk about the weapons of warfare, and immediately he went to the mind. Because that is what changed. The mind began to be influenced by evil, and now we have that our mind is accessible to evil thoughts. And so there is a battle. Everybody say, the weapon of my warfare. You are at war. You will be at war. The rest of your life will be warfare over your mind. Amen. Your brain is the physical wiring of the mind. Your mind creates the wiring of the brain. So we have to build in our mind. We have to allow Holy Spirit to change our mind. Was the verse we read, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You rebuild your mind on, on different influences. You change the power and the spirit and the influence that controls your mind. And by doing that, you change your life. If you don't go through the processes of changing your mind, you will never change your life. 
God can do everything. I mean, he can, he can change you, transform you. He can hit you with power. He can flip you upside down, shake you in the floor. He can change the color of your hair with his power. But if you don't apply yourself to the renewing of your mind, you'll destroy everything God tries to do in you. Because the mind is a battleground and your mind is subject to evil. That's why Jesus paid the price that he paid. He, he sent back the Holy Spirit. And, and it's in, in Ephesians, we'll read in just a few minutes, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind. See, there are processes that you have to go through in order to change what influences your mind. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to try to think differently. You will end up right back in the old thinking patterns because your brain is wired. You have to rewire your brain. Amen. When, when I go into, when, when I have to change something, when they down at the lake when they call me and they say hey we need you to change a service it doesn't work for the boat that's in the slip now because they change boats a new boat has come into the slip the old wiring isn't sufficient for the new boat I have to go down there and I have to change how it's wired so that it can feed the new boat you have a new life. There's somebody new that's moved into the slip of your brain, and you got to change the wiring in your brain so that it now feeds and cooperates with the new boat that's moved in. Amen. It's got to be rewired, and it's quite a process. Sometimes you have to tear a lot of stuff out. Sometimes I have to wreck out everything that's there in order to put back what needs to be there? Amen. If we're not willing to go through the struggle of that, next, the next series that we're going to be going through in emotional uh, wholeness is, is so tightly linked to this, it's going to be intertwined. But I'm excited to get into it because we have to change what influences and we have to change how we think. And we've got to learn to change the atmosphere of our life. The atmosphere you live in, the atmosphere you create. Do you realize that your brain, your mind creates an atmosphere everywhere you're at? That's how powerful you are. You can walk into the room and literally change the atmosphere of a room with your thinking. You literally put off an atmosphere. When that atmosphere is exuding from you, it changes the atmosphere, and people will begin to operate from your atmosphere because you have the power to change that atmosphere. People actually, as a spirit-filled child of God, people actually feel you when you walk in. Amen. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes the devil and other people want to fight the spirit in you. And if we're not careful, we'll take that personal. Don't take it personal. If you can't say it out loud, say it under your breath. Just start saying, you coming out now. You coming out now. <laughs> you, you have now lost control of this atmosphere. 
Amen. When we're, doing, we're, when we're doing relational counseling with people, a lot of times when we start, there's, there's contention, there's problems, there's tension. Sometimes they won't even look at each other. You know, body language. We always watch body language. You know, communication is so much more than just words. It's eye contact. It's body language. I watch all of that. I, I am a, a studier of people. I watch people's body language. I watch how they respond. I watch their facial expressions. I watch their eyes. I watch everything about them because they're communicating in so many different ways. And you pick up on so much. When you hear their words, it's not just a person's words. It's how the word is spoken. It's the inf inference in their voice. It's the pitch of their voice. If, they're, you know, if their voice goes up when they say it, then you know that there's distress in the situation because they, have to ra they raise their voice. It goes up. And so there's, there's some type of emotion that's driving what they're saying because they're not talking calmly anymore. Now their voice level, their pitch has come up. Why? Because they, they, they want to penetrate you with their words. They want to get that across to you. And, and it changes them. And so, you know, the body language. It, and I always know that we've got quite a task ahead of us when people come in my office and sit down and they slightly turn their chairs away from each other. You know, I was talking with, with one couple doing, doing counseling, and, and, and the young lady would, would sit, literally, the swivel chairs in my office, every time would literally sit with her, her back to her husband and, and talk to us over her shoulder. And I let that go for a couple of times, and finally I said, hey, look, your body language is telling me a whole lot more than your words are. You're saying the right words, but your body language is you are cutting him out of your life. You are absolutely rejecting him because your body language is you are, you are, you are turning yourself away. So I said, turn your chair <laughs> because you're going to have to start engaging this person. You see what I'm talking about? When they, when they come in, a lot of times, you know, there's tension and all that kind of stuff. But after a little while, all that tension disappears. And in, a, in, a, in, in just a short time, they start feeling better about themselves. They start feeling better about life. They start feeling better about, and, and we talk about things. We talk about serious subjects. But, but the mood starts lighting. Their faces start relaxing. They start smiling. Their eyes change. Their body language changes. And, and things begin to change. And I've had a lot of them say, you know, I don't know what happened, but we're actually, I'm actually feeling better about this now. And I'll, I tell them this every time. I'll say, look, the only reason you're feeling better right now isn't because things are fixed. It's because you're in our atmosphere. You have come into our atmosphere. And you have been listening to our words that we have spent over 40 years discipling ourselves in. And because of that, you are now feeding off of our relationship, our words, our attitude, and our atmosphere. But the minute you walk out this door, you're not going to have that anymore because you're not us. You haven't spent the time developing this. You haven't spent the time disciplining your mind. You haven't spent the time speaking the words. You haven't spent that time. But if you'll start doing that, you can have this atmosphere. 
But you're gonna, when you leave here in a short time, you're going to be right back into your old atmosphere because that's what you live in. And if you want to change that, you're going to have to put effort behind it and start changing your atmosphere. Amen. We have, me and, me and Sister Betty have spent years establishing an atmosphere in our lives that, are based, that is based on acceptance, respect, and appreciation. That's the core values of our life. Matter of fact, those are the core values of true love. If you want to know what true love is, it's not, it's not those butterflies you feel. It's not that desire you feel. It's not all of that. It's, it's when you feel acceptance, when you establish respect, when you establish appreciation for that person. That is true love, and that love will, will, will stand through any storm. It'll stand through any attack. It'll keep you together, and it'll cause you to have a happier life than you've ever had because acceptance, respect, and appreciation comes from the mind. It comes from the way you think. It comes from the way you talk. It comes from how you listen. It comes from the interpreter that you have on the inside of you. Training that interpreter to interpret according to the Holy Spirit, not according to my experiences, and I'm getting ahead of myself into my next series, but it's good. We all have a voice, and we also have an interpreter, and training and teaching that interpreter is a very powerful thing when we realize that we can change the atmosphere of our life by changing our mindset, by changing the influence of our mind, by going back to the fact that Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, redeemed us from failure and poverty, redeemed us from, from the, from the uh, things that came out of the fall of Adam and Eve, redeemed us from the, from the feeling of emptiness, redeemed us from the lack that, that uh, is in the heart and the void that's in the heart of so many people. We try to fill that hole. We try to fill that void with all kinds of stuff. But the more we try to fill it with, the more we need, and it never is satisfying until all of a sudden that which fits the hole is brought in by the power and presence of God. And all of a sudden, next thing you no, you like your life. You like the people around you. You feel good about who you are. You feel good about life. Why? Because you have went back and been restored into the very presence of God that brings fulfillment in your life like nothing else can, where everything all of a sudden seems better. You look better when you look in the mirror because you no longer critique yourself according to the standards of this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you start seeing beauty through the eyes of God, everything changes about you. When you start seeing people through the eyes of God, they start looking better to you. Man, I could preach right now. We, we've got to understand we are at war. Every day of your life, we are at war. And many of us are losing that war. We're losing that battle. Because of the, the mindset that we operate in. Your imagination is a gift from God, but the devil has taken control of it and manipulates you through your imagination. Bring that back into subjection to God and command your imagination to begin to receive from the awesomeness of God. You have the ability to imagine. You have the ability to see. You have the ability to have revelation of God in the place of all that junk that's going on inside of you. 
because your imagination can create scenarios and problems that do not exist, but they will become physical matter inside your brain if you allow them to stay. And then you have to confront a lie that has become part of you, and you have to go through the process of tearing that lie down and replacing it with truth. Gina was talking about it a while ago with the, with the remodeling. Before, anytime you remodel something, you have to get ugly before you can get pretty. Amen. Praise God. I'll guarantee, I'm picking on Doug today, but I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee you when you go and sit in Doug's chair and he washes your hair and he turns you around, you look in the mirror and you think, oh God, there's no hope. Because you look like a drowned rat. You're not exactly in your best form. And you don't want nobody taking no pictures at that point. Amen. I've worked, I've worked with Sister Betty about confidence for her whole life. And she's taught me compassion, and I've taught her confidence. And she would complain about a picture. She'd look at a picture and she'd say, oh, I don't look very good in that picture. I'd say, honey, that's exactly how you looked at that moment. Most of you women just got offended. <laughs> I'd say, that's, that's what I see. That's what I just saw. At that moment, that's what I was seeing. That's how you look. <laughs> Many of you ladies are saying, why would you do that? Because you expect your husbands to say, Oh, no, you looked wonderful. He's lying. You don't want somebody to lie to you. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> what I was doing was I was tearing down the false image that she was looking for and teaching her to accept who she is. Amen. Because if she couldn't accept who she is, if every time she looks at a picture, she looks at it and says, I'm not good enough, then she is still under the curse of Eve. I'm not talking about just letting yourself get ugly and let yourself go. Dear God, don't do that to your husband. Because we like to stand back and watch Eve. Come on now. We, we, we still got that going on. Adam, Adam still likes to watch Eve. And Adam still likes to go, whoa, man. Was I ever lucky. But until we come to the place where we can accept ourselves, I mean, it's hard. When I first started watching these Facebook Live things, I'd be glad we get on that new camera because this phone, it's bad. It is bad. Thank you that you that are watching. We got brand new equipment. We're about to get a whole better, whole lot better because I looked at the first time I watched that on that phone. I don't know what it's doing, but I looked at that and I, I told Betty, I said, who in the world is that old fat man up there? That's exactly, that's exactly how I looked at that moment. Come on, somebody. I kept saying, it's got to be that phone. It's got to be that phone. But I finally had to accept the fact that I'm that old fat man up there. And that's exactly how I look. 
First time I watched that, I, I, I thought to myself, good grief, son, suck it in. <laughs> but that's a battle. We see we battle in our minds with the perception of our life, the perception of who we are, the perception of our mates, the perception of people around us. And it's all about the, the, the spirit or the influence that we're operating under. If you don't change the spirit or influence that your brain's operating under, you'll never be able to grow and improve. But we got to change the argument. We got to change the conversation. We got to change, you know, a lot of times when I start thinking about these messages, I mean, I can be, my day can be totally falling apart and just struggling with things, but when I start meditating on what I'm going to be teaching on, all of a sudden everything changes. Well, I just changed the influence. I just changed what was influencing me, influencing my mind. As you change your thinking, the only way you can change your thinking is by adding new thoughts, new conversations, and changing what you're meditating about. As you do that, as I've told you before, you grow new, new neuro, neurological connections in your brain. You, you, you begin to build a whole new neurological highway. The great thing about that is as you, as you stop using the old highway, it starts breaking apart. It starts, the, the neurons begin to break apart because they're needed somewhere else. They're no longer needed there. And they start breaking apart, and you start changing your thinking, and now you, you, you're, more, you're thinking along these lines. You're, you're over here with a whole new influence. It doesn't happen overnight, okay? Sometimes you got to get ugly before you can get pretty. As I was talking a while ago about Doug's chair, but when he gets done with you, I mean, you know, when he gets, when he gets done fluffing and cutting and spraying and poofing and, and everything, you'll never be able to make it look like that when you get home, but he does. Okay? You know, you, you're never going to recreate that moment you look in the mirror and it's like, you know, you go from a drowned rat to, wow. And then you go home, you wash your hair, and you start trying to do that, and you realize that you need Doug there fluffing your hair and doing all this kind of stuff to make it look like that again. And that's how he makes money. There has to be a change. Changes aren't always easy and they're not always pretty. If you've ever lived in a house, Mandy, if you've ever lived in a house you was remodeling, it can get to you, Sister Val. But it's changed now, isn't it? It looks pretty, doesn't it? Boy, it's sure ugly a little bit ago, though, wasn't it? It was ugly. It revealed all the stuff behind the scenes. You start tearing all that, you, you found out, you mean we've been living with that? Come on, somebody. But then you start rebuilding it. You start remodeling it. You start putting the new stuff in. And next thing you know, it's this beautiful creation. And you think, wow, how can you do that? Amen. You got to be able to see it. See, God can create. God knows what he wants to create. And I'm, I'm trying to wind this thing down because I am wanting to just explode right now. I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm just, I'm almost panting because I'm just, I'm wanting to get on into this thing. 
our house got ruined one time, our little basement. We had a, we had a little basement home that we let people live in for a long time. Some, sometimes it was missionaries. Sometimes it was people that needed a place to live. We, uh, and the roof started leaking. A bunch of cows got out. And for, it had a flat roof on it. We hadn't finished. It was just a little basement. had a flat roof on it. And I didn't know that cows liked to eat tar. They love tar. And there was about 15 cows on top of my house. <laughs> and they were eating the tar and stomping holes in it. Anyway, I didn't know that. And so it became the spring of the year. And it started raining. And the people that was living there, it was actually James and Athena at the time was living there. And they, Athena called me and said, said, Pastor, water is literally running through the house. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no, we, we don't even have enough buckets. It's pouring everywhere. And I went over there, and sheetrock was falling out the ceiling. I mean, there was water running everywhere. And I said, guys, you got to start moving out. Get your stuff out of here. And we moved them out of there. And it was, I was very busy at the time. So we got them moved out, and I just shut the door. And I had big jobs going, had all kinds of stuff going. And it was about three weeks before I got back over there to start working on it. But when I opened that door, we've got a, our living room is recessed down a little over a foot lower than the rest of the house. It was standing level full of water. The sheetrock had fallen down. The whole house was black with black mold. I mean, I'm not talking about just a little bit of black mold. I'm talking about the whole house. The whole inside of the house was just black. And Betty come over and looked at it, and she said, just burn it. It's ruined. Just burn it. I said, it's not ruined. It just looks bad. What she could see was, was this awful, awful, awful thing. But I grew up in construction with my dad, and so I, I knew what I could see the finished product. And I said, listen, just, just stay away. Don't come back around until I'm finished. <laughs> and so I started tearing all that out. We tore the whole thing out. We began to haul stuff out of there. And thankfully, I'm not a, I don't have any allergic reactions to mold and things like that. Her or my oldest son, Benaiah, could get within 10 feet of the door and immediately start sneezing. Her eyes start running. I mean, it has a terrible effect on them. But it, it, it wasn't like that for me. And I tore all that out, tore the whole inside of the house out. I, I took everything out that was that was uh, destroyed and molded and then I went in there and sprayed the whole inside of the house with with stuff all the framework everything I sprayed everything with with stuff that would kill the mold in that house and I I sprayed it and I killed all the mold I just totally uh, disinfected that house and I started building it back and after a while you walk in there and it didn't even look like that matter of fact it was so amazing that a whole a whole top section grew on it I went to the lumber yard to get stuff to redo the roof and come home with material to build walls and I'm standing there thinking what am I doing what am I why did I do this and I just start I build a whole nother house I'm a little impulsive sometimes but what looked like it was completely destroyed and would never be good again became a beautiful place to live. 
completely clean. That's how God does our minds. What the enemy has destroyed and infected and caused it to be black and looks like it's no hope. I got to tell you something, when Holy Spirit moves in, and he starts remodeling. He starts tearing things out. He starts redoing. We allow him to disciple us in the Word of God. Next thing you know, it starts taking shape. It starts looking good. And, and before long, it's a beautiful place to live instead of an ugly world to live in. And we're completely different. I didn't even get to Proverbs. Maybe we'll get to that next week. But if we seek after wisdom... Oh, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to get that next week. If we search after wisdom and make that the influence of our mind, what a change it makes. We have got to allow God to begin to transform our thinking because if we don't transform our thinking, we will continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over. Amen. When somebody has been in a failed relationship where there's been a lot of problems, and especially if it's an abusive relationship, I always encourage them to not pursue relationship for a long time. I always tell them, say, a minimum of a year, and it'd be better if you don't pursue relationship for at least two years. You know why? Because I've watched those people that have been in abusive relationships end up migrating back to the same type person in a different shell. Why? Because that's what we're used to. That's the way we think. We're geared to that. We're programmed to that. And if you don't change the programming, you're going to end up right back in the same mess with a different person because you'll start succumbing to that. But if you take the time to reprogram your brain, to find out who you are in God, to find out your qualities, to find out your gift, to find out what really works for you, aside from relationship, then you can enter into a relationship that is fulfilling and good because it's not out of need. I've spent a lot of time on relationship today, and that's supposed to be my next series but it's all intertwined praise God so God thank you for sending Jesus to renew and transform us by the renewing of our minds that we might be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God Father, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray over every person listening to me today, Lord God, that we will begin to allow you to invade the thinking processes of our mind that they can be changed, that the influence, the voice, the interpreter can be changed in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for that.